0: What a day that will be. We need to do some hooping and hollering up in here for that stuff. That is, that is, that's exciting. That's exciting. Um, this morning, uh, Terry read about my call to worship, and he said I'm going to be talking about the spiritual gifts. Well, let me tell you why I'm going to be talking about the spiritual gifts. Us as a leadership team have uh, been discussing a way that we could um, maybe try to make you guys aware of the gifts that you have. And we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get into the sermon today. But um, Alex came up with this idea of having a survey. And, uh, you know, you've seen the spiritual gift surveys before. This is a very simple one where you're just going to, you know, circle things that maybe you think you're good at. And some of you guys, honestly, may come here today and may think you're not good at anything. You know, but I, I'm sure you are. Um, but what I told Alex I would do is I said, well, Hey, how about I do a little sermon mini-series on spiritual gifts? And what we're going to be talking about is I'm going to be talking about um, some of the reasons why we get gifts, um, some of the gifts I'm going to tackle today, and then in a couple weeks I'm going to finish the series off on spiritual gifts, and then hopefully you guys will um, be listening to me, or listening to God... When I'm going through this and maybe whenever we give you the surveys, maybe you'll be a little bit more educated in what the gifts are and maybe you'll be a little bit more educated about yourselves and know what your gifts are too. And whenever we find out what our gifts can be, then we can start serving the church and we can start making the church a stronger, um, more opening place where we have everybody fit in where they're supposed to be and everybody doing what they're supposed to be doing. So hopefully by the end of this little mini-series, you guys will know what your gifts are. Or at least getting on that path towards knowing that. So this morning, the gifts uh, scripture that I'm going to be preaching through is Romans 12. Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans 12, verses 3 to 8. And let's stand. Let's stand and let's read that as the congregation this morning. So once you've got there, Romans 12, verses 3 to 8. It's titled, The Gifts of Grace. Romans 12, verses 3 to 8. It says, For by the grace given to me... And in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning, Lord, and Lord, we just come to you humbled servants, Father God. We come to you digging into your scripture, asking you to reveal things to us that we may not see this morning, Lord. Lord, I ask right now that you empty me of myself and fill me with your Holy Spirit, Father God, so that I can deliver the message on spiritual gifts that you would want us as a congregation to hear this morning, Father. And Lord, I hope, I pray that as the members and uh, guests and whoever is sitting out here today, Lord, Lord, I pray that they have open hearts and open ears to what you have for them this morning so that they can take this and they can start thinking about themselves and thinking about the things that you have blessed them with and that they can start putting those gifts into motion, Father. Lord, I pray that you be the center of this service this morning, Father. We thank you and we love you. In your name we pray, amen. Now, this morning I, I kind of put a bug in Terry's ear and told him that I was thinking about him and many others in here this morning when I was going to do this intro. And the reason I, the, when, the reason I'm debating on doing this is because Josh had to kind of really humble himself here whenever he did this, because Josh has been on this end and everybody else has been on this end. But I'm going to be talking about, in the intro, the greatest basketball player to ever live. And you guys know, some of you know I'm on this end, and some people are on this end, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hopefully make a lot of you happy this morning. And what I want to talk about, when I talk about the greatest basketball player to ever live this morning, I'm going to talk about LeBron, no, Michael Jordan, okay? I'm going to be talking about Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is probably the greatest basketball player to ever step foot on this earth. Michael Jordan did everything. He could shoot, he could pass, he could play defense, what was the most clutch player in the history of the game. Michael Jordan was the best. I said it. They got it on camera, they got it on video, you got me saying it right here. Okay, Michael Jordan was the best player ever. So you could obviously say that Michael Jordan's talent was basketball. But as many of us know, if many of us are sports fans in here, and we followed Michael Jordan throughout his career, and Michael Jordan won three titles with the Bulls. And then it came to about 1994, and Michael Jordan said, you know what, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm kind of getting tired of basketball. Maybe my talents are somewhere else. And so Jordan decided to retire from the NBA and decided to go play basketball baseball. He said he always dreamed about playing baseball. He always told his dad about how he was going to be a pitcher and how he loved baseball as a kid more than he did basketball. But as the years started going through, Michael just started getting better and better at basketball, so he went that way. But he decided, you know what, maybe I'm, I'm, not, ki- I'm not quite satisfied with that gift yet, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue baseball. Well, Michael Jordan decided to go play baseball, and, if, and he was going to try to do his best Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders impression and try to be a two-sport guy But the thing was, he wasn't very good. Michael wasn't very good. I wish my buddy John was here this morning because I'd make fun of him because Michael Jordan got to play for the Chicago White Sox minor league organization. And that's why I tell John how the White Sox aren't very good if Michael Jordan can play for their minor league system. But here was some of Michael Jordan's stats. He batted 202, three home runs, and struck out 114 times in 400 at-bats. So we would not sit here today and know Michael Jordan as a baseball player. We know Michael Jordan as a basketball player. So once Michael had this year where he was trying out the baseball stuff and it wasn't working, he decided, okay, you know what? I'm a basketball player. That's what I do. So what did Jordan decide to do? He decided to come back into basketball and just happen to win three more titles. Now, for the people that are sitting here going, what is he trying? How are we connecting this? I think some of us are in Michael Jordan's shoes. Some of us come here today in one of three categories that I'm going to be talking about. One, some of us in here don't know what our gifts are. Some of us honestly don't know. I have you'd be surprised at how many people I've talked about and I come up to and say, Hey, what are you good at? Nothing? I I don't I don't know. And they don't know what they're good at. Well then you go to some people and say, Hey, what are you good at? Well, I'm really good at I'm really good at singing. But I wish I could, I wish I could, you know, speak. I wish I could do public speaking. I wish I could, I wish I was more athletically gifted or if, you know, I'm athletically gifted, but I wish I could pick up that guitar over there and play something. But you don't want to hear that awful noise. So some of us have that gift where we have a gift, but we kind of really want something else. And some of us are in here today and we know what our gift is. And we're using that gift. And we're using that gift to further God's kingdom. So I guarantee you, all of us in here fall into one of those three categories. In any of those three cases, God is there. God has this church. This church is absolutely loaded with talent. I see it every day. This service could not be capable of being what it is if we didn't have people here that had multiple talents getting forward with it. If we didn't have musical ability up here with the singers and Misty and Dylan and Conrad, if we didn't have that talent here this morning, we couldn't have had praise and worship. If we didn't have the people back there that are so tech savvy, then I couldn't be up here talking with a mic. People at home couldn't be watching the service that's been going on. We give Daryl a hard time, but you're all right, Daryl. You're all right. If me and Kevin weren't blessed with the ability to speak, then we wouldn't have anybody to deliver the Word of God. If I didn't have people in here that, was in, that were encouraging me all the time, I'd get burnt out. You see, everybody has a part in the service, whether you know it or not. If you guys didn't come here this morning, I mean, that, the service couldn't go forward. Everybody has a part to the service just like everybody has a gift. And we're going to talk about some of those gifts today, and hopefully, you guys will say, "That's me. That's me. That's what I'm good at." But first off, we jump into Romans, and the first thing it talks about, it says, "For by the grace given to you, given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think." Okay. So the first thing we're going to talk about, and the first thing you notice is, we're going to be talking about humbleness. We're going to be talking about being humble when it comes to the spiritual gifts. You have to be humble. And we'll talk about this later on. But there is no gift more important than the other. Some people, some people get this mindset that if I'm not up front talking or I'm not doing music or if I'm not doing sound stuff, that I'm not important. My gift isn't important. It tells us right here as we go forward that every gift is important. Philippians 2, verse 3 through 1, or 3 through 11 It gives us the example of Christ's humility. I don't know if there was a more talented individual to ever step foot on this earth than Jesus Christ. Jesus never sinned, so there he blew all of us out of the water. Jesus was the most humble person ever. You have to understand how humble Jesus was. I don't think we quite grasp how humble Jesus was. Jesus, sitting at the right-hand throne of God, decided to come down and take form of man. Here on earth, that is humbleness to its best. The guy was completely humble. But what happens sometimes is a big issue that comes into the church sometimes is that people start thinking that they're better than other people. People start thinking they're better than other people. And I could ask a raise of hands here this morning who has ever thought they were better than somebody, and I guarantee you everybody would raise their hand. I have thought that before. I have thought, well, I do more than that person does. What I do is more important than what they do. What they do, we could do without. And we start getting this mindset. And what happens when we start thinking that we're better than people? It causes issues. It makes people hesitant to step out. And what I mean by makes people hesitant to step out is if we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts, and let's say somebody gets the, the spiritual gift of exhortation, and we'll talk about what that is later, but it's the, the, the gift of encouraging people. But they feel like that's not really a big thing. And then you've got somebody who's got the spiritual gift of teaching, and the teacher thinks that they are so much greater and so much more holy than the exhortation over here. And then they start saying that, and they start... Insinuating That they're better than them So what's that going to do to the person That has the gift of exhortation They're going to become hesitant to use that gift They're going to start backing up They're going to start thinking Okay well maybe I'm not that important Maybe, maybe they are right maybe I, shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't exhibit my gift It also makes them feel like they're not needed And what happens is Whenever you make people feel not needed They tend to leave If somebody feels like they are not needed Where they are at They leave They think, I'm not making a difference. I'm not affecting anybody. Why should I stay here? And they leave. Another reason is bitterness can start creeping in towards members of the church. You can start seeing people start thinking, oh, they think they're better than us? Well, get rid of them. Get out of here. Or they start thinking, oh, we're not going to hang out with these people because we're better than them. We're more holy than them. They're not as gifted as we are. And we start pushing them aside, and what happens is bitterness starts to come in and church bickering starts going on, and then what happens? <laughs> Satan wins. He blows up the church. And it all started because we started thinking we're better than other people. And I started thinking what we do is more important than what other people do. Well, I'm here to tell you right now that there's nobody in here that does any more an important job than what I do. I may be up front, and I may be speaking. But without the stuff that goes on in this church, I'm talking from the smallest of cleaning the toilets to the upper echelon of what I do. There is no difference in that. Because without the, the, without the people that do that, this church, wouldn't, this church could not function. So we need to get that lie out of our head right now that we start ranking the gifts and think this gift's more holy, this gift, then it's this, 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 and this, this. And when you have this, you're just not up here with us. Then it says here, it says, uh, if you read that, I mean, notice what word I say a bunch here. It says, uh, highly than he ought to think, but to think, each according to what he thinks. Think, think, think. Okay, we're doing a play on of words here. He uses think, think, think so much here. What does that mean, Josh? Why does he keep saying think? Well, here's what it is. It's because when you think, it's a total mindset change. In order to become humble, it's not going to be an action it's not going to be an action of you, oh, yeah, you're, you're important too, and you start coming over here and doing that. People see right through that. People see right through your actions. In order to become a humble servant and to become a humble member of the church, you have to change your thinking behind it. You have to start thinking of yourself less than others. You have to start putting others before you. In that Philippians that I said there, in verse 3, it says that we are to put others before ourselves. God first, ourselves last, others in between. You know, I know you've heard that song before. That's what it's talking about. And if you can't think that way, and you can't allow God to start changing the way you think, and start changing the way you look at other people, then you are going to struggle with humbleness. And people will recognize it, and people will be turned off from you, and ultimately people will be turned off from God if you're professing to be a Christian. This humbleness is something we need to grasp and we need to take hold of quickly i struggle with it and i have turned so many people off because of it and it hurts me to think that but i have because it's all about us all about us all the time we want to be glorified we want to be we want to be shown in our glory we want people to look at us that's not what christ did it's not what christ did then at the end, it says, uh, each according to the measure of that God has assigned. That God has assigned. All of us in here are gifted. But guess what? Did we do anything to get that gift? No. God said, Josh, I'm giving you this gift. PJ, I'm giving you this gift. Tim, I'm giving you this gift. He gives us different gifts. Every day. And God assigns that. So then, therefore, if I'm going to be up here and I'm going to be speaking and people come back to me after the sermon and they say, Hey, Josh, you did a really good sermon. You had a really good sermon this morning. And I start saying, Oh, yeah, well, I spent all week on it. And I was, I, I was just, you know, it's just, it just something I put together. I'm, I'm a pretty good public speaker. I can, you know, it's just what I do. I can, I can guarantee you what I would do if somebody said that. I'd say... Okay, you Just walk off But no, I understand that whatever I am saying Whatever is down here comes from here None of my words are what should affect you guys But what should affect you guys is the scripture Timmy P. tells me every morning This morning I was rushing around And he comes in, he opens the door And he goes, hey, hate to bother you But they came to hear Jesus Thank you, I need that I need that because that's ultimately what they came to hear. They came to hear Jesus. Whenever we're doing anything that we're doing and we're exhibiting exhibiting our gifts, it is God that is glorified, not us. We need to step back and stop being glory hogs. I think I harped on that enough. Then he goes on and says, Everyone is gifted. In verse 4 it says, For for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. I love the illustration that he uses here about the body. Because if we think about our body, we think about everything that we have. We have fingers, we have toes, we have feet, we have legs, we have arms, we have a head, we have eyes, we have nose. They all do the same, or they all do different functions, but they all have a job. They all have a job. If, I couldn't, if my eyes wouldn't work, I couldn't see but I could hear and I could smell. If my nose didn't work, I couldn't smell, but I could hear and I could see. But that's a struggle. That's a struggle. Whenever one of your body parts just decides not to work. I was talking to somebody this week, and whenever I get sick, the worst feeling I hate is whenever my tongue just decides to shut down. And then just, I have to eat because I'm starving, but then I just shove food in my mouth, and it's like I'm sitting there eating cardboard because I can't even taste anything. And I start thinking about, man, well, that, I take that for granted so much that I can use my tongue to taste things. You know, Kevin Kevin goes his whole life without being able to see that well. But his other body functions have picked up because his other functions have different jobs than what his eyes do, and they make up for that. And no, and no body part is in, more important than the other. We were on a mission trip a couple years ago, and Tim did a... Uh, Tim did a, uh, a devotion over this one time, and uh, I, was the young, I was the young gun on the trip, and uh, all the old guys, they were, you know, they were doing their thing, and they think it's funny to pick on Josh because he's the young guy, and he likes to run his mouth so we can pick on him a little bit. And uh, Tim, Tim was given a discussion on this, and he was talking about how even on that trip, everybody was working together, and everybody was doing their part, and if one person just decided not to do their part, it would slow the process down. And he said, even the littlest guy, even the little pinky toe, and he looked right at me. Even the pinky toe is important. I don't know what it's important is, but he says, Josh, you have some importance. You're the pinky toe. So I was pinky toe the whole week. Okay. But he he was a very good point. That's a very good illustration of all of us working together using the body. Then it says they're not all the same. Everyone is gifted in a different way. And I told you, even in this service, we have preaching, we have worship, we have um, the call to worship, we have the sound, we have the people that fix the food today, we have uh, the people that clean the church. You know, we could come in here and there could be cobwebs and trash and everything in here, but it's clean, it looks good. We have people that set up stuff up here. You know, we have, we have so many people involved in the service, but only some of us get seen. I see him coming in right now, and he'd hurt me if I said this, but Jim does so much in the back that we don't see. It's a part of the service. Everybody working together. Without one of these services, without one of these, the service wouldn't work. 1 Corinthians 12, 20 to 25. It says, as it is there, men, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Not again, the head to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unrepresented parts are treated with greater modesty, which are more presentable parts to do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, we all suffer." So we pick up where others may fall short. This gift picks up this gift. This pit gift picks up this gift. And I hope you'll realize that when we start getting into the gifts. And that's what we're going to start getting into right now. We're going to start getting into the types of gifts that we're talking about. And these are just a select few that they mention here in Romans that are going to be on the list that we're going to give you. And we're going to, I'm going to go through the rest of them later on. But it says the first gift is prophecy. The first gift they talk about is prophecy. Prophecy. Now, I told somebody today, when I say the word prophecy, some of us are probably going to say, ooh, got to get a little scared a little bit. Prophecy. So you're talking about telling the future, right? Yes. Here's what I'm going to tell you about prophecy. And I'm going to be very, very biblical scripture because I don't quite understand it. But we're talking about prophecy here. And I looked up the definition of prophecy, and it says, a word given from God... A word given from God of something to come. Okay? A prophecy is not me coming up to you and saying, you're going to get a job here soon. It wasn't from God. A prophecy is a word from God that somebody gets in there to, to tell somebody else. I believe that God speaks that way. I believe that if God wanted me to deliver a message to somebody, all he would have to say is, Josh, I want you to tell this person that. I've seen it done. I believe that our God is more powerful, more mighty than any force here on earth. And if God wanted to use me to deliver a message to somebody, he, he very well could. Second Peter 1-21. Now here's, here is what, here's what I wanted to read because I know that prophecy sometimes can be questioned and it can be uh, used in a terrible, terrible way. But here's what it says in 2 Peter. It says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Word spoke, man spoke from God through the Holy Spirit. We as Christians are given the Holy Spirit. He tells us that in the Bible that the Holy Spirit lives within us so the Holy Spirit can empower us to deliver messages from God that God gives to us. If you've ever met somebody with this gift, you know what I'm talking about. It's very Personally, I believe it's very alive today. You don't see it very much, but I've seen people with it. And it's such an encouragement when I see prophecy being done in the correct form. If you want to read more on prophecy, it talks about it more. In 1 Corinthians 14, it talks about it. But in proportion of our faith. That's what it says, the second part. It says, in proportion with our faith. So I wanted to talk about this. It says, um, one must do this in faith and not for glory upon Himself. I have seen prophecy done in the completely wrong way before, where somebody just wants to stand up here and say, I know what's going to happen. And they've said this, and they've said that, and they've said that. And you could just tell that it wasn't from faith, and it wasn't from God. If this is going to happen, it has to be from God, in proportion to our faith. Don't be scared of this gift. This gift, I believe, is alive and I think it works, but we have to understand that it is straight from God and is not from the person that is delivering. And if you're never sure on that, pray, seek, ask them questions. Make sure they're in right standing with God. Off that one. Now, it's a little bit more, uh, some more ones that we may see here, that we may see more often. The first one it talks about is serving. And the Greek word that they have here for serving is... Uh, diakonia. Diakonia. I think that's how the guy said it on the computer when I clicked on it. Diakonia. Okay? Which means which literally which literally means uh ministry. Ministry. That's what serving means. It means ministry. Now, I'm going to ask you guys to raise your hand on this because I personally if this were my if this were my classroom and I was at school I would have everybody get up and do jumping jacks and touch your toes and stretch you up and get you guys going again. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to make you raise your hand. How many people feel like they have a ministry? How many people have a ministry in here? How many people have a ministry? Everybody's hands should be up. A ministry. A ministry can be what wherever God has put you in order to deliver his word. If you have a job, there's a ministry. If you go to school, there's a ministry. If you have friends, there's a ministry. If you go to the store and you see and somebody asks you a question, there's a ministry. Wherever we go, we can be in the mindset of a ministry. And that's what it's talking about here. It's talking about serving. All of us have a ministry, but only some of us take advantage of that ministry. I talk to people all the time, and you know, they talk to me and they say, Oh, how's your ministry going? Because I'm a because I'm a pastor, they asked me how my ministry is. And I said, I always say, oh, I, I love it. God's doing this, 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 and this. I was like, well, how's your ministry? I'm not a preacher. You still have a ministry. We are to be ministering all the time, looking for opportunities to serve God. God puts opportunities in our paths every single day. And some of us take advantage of it. And if you're the person in here that takes advantage of ministry, every chance you get... This could be your gift. Serving could be your gift. Now, there's totally different types of ministry. You could be speaking the Word of God. You could just be serving at a food pantry. You could be helping um, who, widows or uh, orphans or whatever. so Serving is such a broad spectrum of what you could be doing. And ministry is just at the center of every single bit of it. It says, people with this gift of serving usually have others under them that they can disciple. If you start doing a ministry and you start working, like let's say, let's say, let's, everybody here works. So let's do work as a ministry. Let's say you start using work as a ministry and you start speaking to other people about God and you start telling them about what God's doing and what God can do in their lives. Then you start bringing that person along because then they're going to start asking questions. And you can continue that ministry and you're usually discipling somebody. Does that sound about right? Does anybody, I mean, we've had people do that here before. That is ministry. That is the gift of serving. And the reason, the way you know that that's your gift is if you do it all the time. And you would love doing it. And God just seems to flourish you through that. The third gift we're talking about is teaching. Teaching others different things. It says, uh, have you ever known somebody who is really, really, really good at something, but can't teach anybody how to do it? I've seen, I have seen uh, super, super, super good basketball players. And they've come in to help me with practice or I've been to different things with them where we're helping little kids and these really, really, really good basketball players. I'm talking way light years beyond better than me. Come in and I say, all right, can you teach them how to shoot or teach them how to do this kind of dribbling move? And they say, they're over there and they're kind of struggling and they just look at the kid and they were like, they do the, the player does it, and the kid's like, well, how'd you do that? And he's like, you just do it. You know, I mean, that's how some people are sometimes. Or if you're doing a math problem, and they're up there at the board, and they're uh, doing the math problem, and they could do it, and then you get done. And I remember when I was sitting in uh, Mr. Ash's class, he'd be up there, and he'd do a math problem, and I'd sit back, and I'd be like, you lost me when the marker hit the board. But then he would sit there and break it down, and he would show us how to do it. But I've also seen people before that they just do it, and then you're like, how would you do that? Like, I just, I just know how to do it. I just, it's just what I do. But there's some people that can teach. I'm not the best basketball player in the world, but I love coaching, and I can break things down into steps and show kids how to do different things. I teach PE. I have to break games down into how things work. Um... I actually, I actually taught math a couple weeks ago, fourth grade math. It was quite hilarious because the kids are like, oh, you're a real teacher now. And I was like, okay. Um, but I had to actually break math problems down and show them how to do different math problems. And that's how you teach. Some people are gifted with teaching. Some people are not. And guess what? If you're not, that's fine. That is perfectly fine. God has given you something else. I just recognize that. And the thing is, with all of these gifts, and I I was going to mention this later, but I'm going to mention it now. With all of these gifts, you never know what your gift is until you try it. Some people always say, oh, I'm not gifted in that. Have you ever tried? Have you ever tried? All of us hate to fail, but sometimes failure is not a bad thing because failure shows us what we're not good at and what we shouldn't do. But whenever we succeed, then we think, okay, well, I'm really good at this. I'm going to try this. So, if none of you guys have tried teaching before, try it. Give it a shot. If you leave the class or the practice or wherever and the kids are more lost than when they came in there, probably shouldn't teach. Probably should just let somebody else do that. Okay, but at least you know. And that's how God reveals things to us sometimes. I feel like people are going to be, people think that we just need to sit there sometimes and that God's just going to say, like, bring this big flashing light, like, teaching is your gift. It's like, no. We need to go out and try these different things. See what God uses us with. This, the fourth gift that I want to talk about is exhortation. And I'll be quite honest, I'm not a big vocabulary guy, so I had to look up what exhortation meant. And it means it's a motivator. A motivator, an encourager. A motivator for Christ is what we're going to be talking about right here. Okay? People that just get people excited. I don't know if you guys have ever been somewhere where you have a very, uh, you have a pastor up there. That's a very good uh, at exhortating people, but I love it because I'm sitting there and then he'll start going and he'll start getting fired up and I'm sitting in my seat and I'm like, okay, let's, let's go, let's go. Let's start, let's start doing some Jesus stuff here. Let's, let's just go. That is a gift. People are encouragers. We need encouragers in our lives. I need encouragers. I am not, honestly, and this is gonna shock some of you, I am not a very confident person. I act like it, but down, deep down, I'm really not that confident. So whenever I do something, I love once you have those people in your life that come up to you and say, that was very good. You did a very good job. there." And It makes me feel good about myself. And that's what people with the gift of exhortation do. They make people feel good about themselves. And they come up to them and they say, you're very good at this. God has blessed you with this. And it just, makes you, it just motivates you to keep going. It motivates you to keep doing different things. So sometimes we can look at that gift as not being very important, but to me, that gift is very, very, very important. I can just look out in the crowd right now and just pick different people out that I can see with this gift because you have encouraged me in so many ways. And you may not even know it. You may not even know you're an encourager, but you are. And I think that's jobs of us as, you know, people that are being encouraged say, thank you, that meant a lot. And then maybe they can be recognized for their gifts. First Timothy four, verse thirteen, says. First Timothy four thirteen. Pages are sticking together. Four thirteen says. Second. it'd be nice if you get these pages ready before. I know that's what people are probably thinking right now. 4.13, it says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. Paul's telling Timothy here to read Scripture, to teach people. But what also does he say? He says to encourage those. How do you get people to come to Christ? How do you keep people going down the path that they need to go down? You're encouraging them. You're coming up right beside them. Saying, so, you can do it. You can do it. Keep going. God's got big plans for you. God's working. I know you don't see it right now, but he's working. Giving him those little encouraging words. That is a gift. That is a gift. Giving. Giving is a gift. Little story on giving. Um, this was kind of the first year... That I had really, I had got presents for my siblings and parents before. But this was the first year at Christmas time. You know, I got a full-time job now. This was the first time that I could actually buy gifts for my uh, family at Christmas time. And honestly, I love receiving gifts. I love getting gifts. When mom and them would bring me something, yes, I love it. But I never had the feeling that I had this Christmas. Whenever I would go to Seth or Matt and say, hey, this is what I got you for Christmas, and then they open it, and they love it. Now, they picked everything out, but at least I still bought it for them, okay? I still got it for them, and I got to give it to them, so it felt, it felt good, all right? But when you give to other people, it just makes you feel good because you see that smile on their face, and you see them just light up. And I'm not talking about just giving gifts, but it says here, it says, cheerfully contributing money and resources to advance ministry. To advance ministry. Some people in here are very blessed financially. And what do they do with that, those finances? They give it to the youth. They give it to this organization. They give it to this organization. Because they see that it is a way that they can be a part of that mission. Not all of us are called to go out and do. But some of us are called to sit back and provide. And I think when we can realize that and when we do that, I think it really, really, really enhances the ministry beyond ways that you can think. And that's why whenever I come back on mission trips, I, I like to publicly thank the people that financially supported whatever organization I was working for because without that support, the mission could not exist. But it says right here, it says, cheerfully, cheerfully contributing. That's giving. I'm going to say right now, if, if you think that you're a giver, and whenever you give, you do this. Take it. Take it. Probably not your gift. Probably not your gift. Giving, people with the gift of giving, give, and they're, you want more, and they just keep throwing stuff at them. And I'm not talking about money. It says resources here, too. Did you know, did you know, and, I, and this is one of my favorite things to tell people. Did you know, could somebody tell me what the greatest resource you can give somebody is? Your time. Your time. When I give somebody my time, I am taking moments out of my life that I can't get back. And I'm giving it to them in that moment. That means so much more to me when somebody gives me my, their time than what they give me if they give me resources. Because in the end, resources go away. You can spend money money goes away. You can give me, um, you know, whatever, it goes away. But whenever you give me your time, that means something. That, that is seriously you giving a sacrifice up of your time for me. And that means so, so, so much. And that's what I try to do. You know, sometimes our time is so limited these days. You know, we seem like we're on a super, super tight schedule and time just doesn't seem like it's there to be passing out all the time. But, that makes it that much more precious whenever we have little time. And we just take the time to give them a call. Take the time to send them a text. Take a time to say hello. Anything like that. That is a huge resource. And whenever we give those resources out, we're realizing that we're not giving of our stuff, our stuff, but we're giving stuff that God has blessed us with. That is why giving is a gift because God has blessed you with everything that you have. So whenever you use that stuff that God has given you, you are using that in a ministry way you are, if you're realizing that what I'm giving away is God's and God is going to be glorified in it. Leadership is, a, is a, uh, the second to last one. Decision makers, cast visions, build teams, motivators. Not everyone is a leader. Not everyone is a leader. Would everybody agree with me this morning when I say not everyone is a leader? Thank you. Because I've been places before where it's like, no, that's not true. Everybody can be a leader. That's true. Everybody can be, but you can also lead people off a cliff if you're not careful, okay? You, some leaders just have the gift of being able to organize. Some leaders have the uh, ability to be able to place people where they need to be placed. Some leaders have the ability to make decisions, okay? Leaders are far from in between, but leaders are important because leaders get things going. Leaders uh, push people, Okay? Um, Some examples of leaders we have here are leadership team of our elders, okay? That is an example of leaders. Um, Youth sponsors. Youth sponsors have to be leaders. Um, The heads of the committees that we have here, those are leaders, okay? Coordinators of different things, those are leaders. If you've ever done those before, maybe you have leadership skills, and maybe you need to take advantage of those leadership skills. And it says we're supposed to lead with zeal. I love that word, zeal. It's a strong feeling of interest and enthusiasm that makes everyone very eager or determined to do something. A good leader is excited about what they're doing. A good leader gets everybody excited to come with them. A good leader is also a servant. A good leader is somebody who's not afraid to get down in the trenches and get dirty. A leader is someone who's not afraid to lower themselves to help one of the people out that they're leading. A leader is a servant. A leader is is exciting. A leader has passion. Find something you have passion in, lead with it. And the last gift is mercy. Mercy is kindness or help given to people who are in very bad or desperate situations. These people are very compassionate. If you have the gift of mercy, you feel for people, okay? Maybe you go to funerals and you may not even know the person that passed away, but you start crying because you're compassionate. You have mercy for them and you try to help them in any way possible, okay? Okay? Your generosity. You're very generous with people that are going through hard times. You may put yourself behind. You may put your interests behind and start doing everything you can to make that person happy or to try to build them back up. And ultimately, people with the gift of mercy have the ultimate example because our Father was so merciful to us, all of us should have a little bit of gift of mercy, should we not? If God was not merciful with us, we would not be sitting here today and we would have no hope. We would have no hope of eternity in Him. Those songs that we sang this morning about the glorious day that will be, when my Jesus I shall see, that can't happen without mercy. Because God looked down upon us and had mercy for us and loved us, He sent His Son and He died on the cross for us. Therefore, we can live eternally with Him. I hope you got a little bit of those gifts this morning. And I encourage you, I encourage, encourage, encourage to research these gifts. Maybe one of these jumped out at you. Maybe one of these started really making you think. Maybe, one of these, maybe some of you had that person beside you whenever I said the gift going, that's you, you know? Maybe that person's the exhortation person, okay? But all of us have a gift. And these are just some. And we've got so many more that I'm going to throw at you guys the next time I'm up here. But I want to say this before I end. I want to close with this. In all of our gifts that we have, we are not to use them to glorify ourselves. We are not to use them to glorify ourselves. I wrote this down. It says to take all that you are and all that you've got and use it to make much of God. There's nothing greater you can do for your life. There's no higher purpose than to take your time, your treasure, and your talents and use them to glorify our Father. There's nothing better. There's nothing better. I don't care if you're helping other people out. I don't care if you feel like you're building yourself up. Ultimately, what you do with your gifts are to glorify God with them. I want to read 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11. I'm going to close with that. And I want everybody to listen to this because it's very, very good. And like I said, those were words of me. These are words from God. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. The Heavenly Father, God, we just come to you right now, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you. Lord, what we thank you for is that you have blessed us with so much. You've blessed us with resources. You've blessed us with clothes, with houses, with jobs. With so many different material things, Lord. But Lord, we come to you this morning not worried about those material things, but we come to you this morning thanking you for the gifts and talents that you have blessed us with. Lord, that we know that whatever we may be talented at or whatever we may be gifted at, Lord, that we know that it is nothing that we have done, but it's because you knit us in our mother's womb, because you created us, and you blessed us with those gifts. And Lord, the only way that I can feel that we can repay you back The only, the closest possible way that I can think of that we can thank you for these gifts is that we take these gifts and we use them. And we use them to bring glory upon you. Lord, that whenever something, whenever we succeed, we're praising you. Whenever we fail, we're praising you. Because we know that you have blessed us with everything that we have. And we know that our job here on earth to love you and glorify you in everything that we do. That is our prayer this morning. Thank you and we love you. You have a name we pray.